Welcome home to a life without limits, where you honor your alignment, nourish your soul, and awaken your inner goddess. Some days we fly, some, well, we've got you, sister. Abundance is your birthright. This is your remembrance. Hot Mess Goddess, juicy conversations for a luscious life. Today's episode is a beautifully heartwarming conversation with author Christiane Ma. Her first book, The Day the Cancer Quit, is touching lives right around the world, and I have no doubt this conversation will as well. Welcome, Christiane, to the Hot Mess Goddess podcast. I'm actually thrilled to have you on here because we've worked together before and I've never seen your face or spoken with you. It's wonderful to see your face as well. I know I felt so connected to you from the moment that Lynn mentioned your name as an editor. And when I received the book back, I thought maybe I'll accept and incorporate 50% of the suggestions you made. And I think it was probably about 98%. So I knew we were very like-minded and definitely on the same path and can get to know each other and do good work together. Oh, wow. Oh, gosh. Thank you for that. I haven't even mentioned your book yet. So (laughs) I guess we may as well start there. So you have written an incredible book and it really touched my heart editing it. So it was a real pleasure to have you on to even talk about that. Your story is meant to be shared. And I guess I'll give a quick fill in. It is about your husband going through something that nobody wants to ever go through as a family. So can you share the moment that you actually heard the news and what happened? Absolutely. It was uh, May 12th, 2017. My husband, uh, who was 45 at the time, and our children were six and eight, returned home from a doctor's appointment that he was sadly at by himself because he had gone to the doctor the previous Monday with mild indigestion. And we thought nothing of it. My father passed away of stage four cancer only 10 days before. So we thought, oh, you know, the stress, we had only just moved and relocated our home and careers to another city. We thought it was stress, mild indigestion. They did an ultrasound that showed some what they thought to be hemangiomas on his liver. Again, thought nothing of it, treatable. And he was driving to the clinic and received a call from the hospital after they did a CT only the day before, just to rule everything out, saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We'll have you in here for testing quickly. And he said, sorry for what? And they said, oh, you haven't seen your doctor yet. And he said, no. And he turned around and raced to our physician's office and asked very nicely to be seen. And he walked back into the house and just looked at me and he was stone cold pale. I had no idea what was going on. He said, please come with me upstairs. And I did. (laughs) And he looked me in the face and said, I have stage four pancreatic cancer. And I said, what? (laughs) You can imagine in complete shock and dismay. And my mind just raced. I thought, how can this be? My dad just had stage four cancer. My husband's young and healthy. This, This can't be happening. And we cried for a moment in complete shock. And then I looked him in the face and I said, 
well, you're my husband and this is not happening and we're going to do a bunch of stuff. I don't know what any of it is right now, but you're going to be okay. You're now my project. So buckle up and I don't take less than an A++. Yeah. (laughs) And from there, the days changed into trying to be brave and strong in front of the children to nights of endless research and prayer and meditation and just trying to work past the box to understand how we would treat his cancer. And I remember on that exact day, one of the first things we thought was, well, if Steve Jobs couldn't beat it and Patrick Swayze couldn't beat it, how is my husband going to survive this? And I knew it had to be more than just, you know, Western medicine treatments that money could buy, that we had to open and expand. And that's what happened on that day and what rocked our lives and took us on this journey. It took you on an incredible journey. And with a lot of the stuff, you know, what you discovered was in the mind, as well as a healthy diet, as well as, you know, Western medicine, it's all combined and beautifully. So is that when you discovered the power of the mind or had you already started that journey? I had discovered the power of the mind somewhat to that point. I believed in it. I believed in intuition. I myself had had 10, 20 body talk sessions, which is, you know, a form of mind work where you're looking at the whole picture, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical. So getting into that subconscious mind. So I was aware of all of that, but never really dove in, honestly, probably because of my doubt in how I would be criticized from other people, right? Oh, what do you mean? It comes from the mind. (laughs) What do you mean? And the day after Terry was diagnosed, I called my good friend who is a body talk practitioner. And I said, please start doing three sessions a week on Terry. And I need to start learning this. And I took my first class Mindscape, which everyone I believe should take all about learning how to access your own subconscious only two weeks later. And I have never looked back since. Yeah. And can you take us through a little bit what happens in, say, a Mindscape session? Because some people are really visual, which is me. So I was fascinated editing your story, reading all about it. Some people aren't, so it won't resonate so much. But for those that are really love visualizations and things, it's incredible. Okay, absolutely. I would say it all ties in. My favorite quote of all time is from Albert Einstein. You cannot fix a problem in the same level of consciousness that created it. Meaning our conscious minds cannot wrap (laughs) around everything that's going on in our physical body. So you need to get to the subconscious mind, whether that's through Mindscape, which I'll explain, or hypnosis or deep meditation, you're getting back into that alpha state of mind. The way that they do it in Mindscape is really, I would say, similar to hypnosis. They ask you to go through the colors of the rainbow and they ask you to really experience those colors. You're essentially just slowing your mind. So you see it, you taste it, you touch it, you hear it, you smell it. So you do red and then you see orange and you go through that for all the colors, yellow, blue, green, purple, violet. And at that stage, you're already so incredibly relaxed 
And then there's other techniques where they take you even farther into your mind. And during it's a weekend class, during that class, you learn how to build a workshop there. And it's absolutely amazing because most people, I think, when you do that, say this is silly or this doesn't work because your ego is trying to protect you from change. You're you're shaking up everything yeah. that you thought was safe and right for X number of years. But you can imagine you create this workshop and there's things like you have an office and you have a telephone there or and you have a pad of paper. And in the course of the weekend, they'll take you into that safe space and back out many times. And they'll say things like, okay, could you please walk to your office and maybe your phone will ring or maybe there will be a note there that's a message from someone. The point is that when we are in that subconscious state of mind, we're infinitely connected to people to information, to everything that's out there. So it's an incredibly eye-opening, inspiring process. And it was the first time I had ever done anything like that. And I have to be honest that when I I flew home from taking the class and in my mind, I had invited Terry in and started trying to treat his cancer in whatever little way I knew how. I love that story, actually. (laughs) I I was going to ask you about that because you created like a healing room. Yes. Not just an office. You had all these great things and you had a healing room in there. You made it as wonderful as you could ever imagine. I love that part of it because there's so much to learn when you delve into learning something new. And it's not always as it seems. So what happened when you took Terry into your healing room on the way home that weekend? Oh my goodness. Of course, I'm just thinking, I'm just experimenting here. What can happen? Yes, I have a healing room. I have a spa. I have a dance room. I have a whole forest. It's a beautiful, I wish I could paint it clearly for you. It's this giant, beautiful, big windowed mansion in the forest, which is really up in the sky. But anyway, so I invited Terry into my healing room having, you know, I was resting on the plane and, and he picked me up at the airport and he said to me, my stomach really hurts. It has not hurt ever this badly. It had really never hurt even when he was diagnosed, which was why we were so shocked. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, it really hurts. And I said, "Uh oh, <laughs> and he said, what? And I said, well, I went into my mindscape on the plane and, and I, I uh, invited you into my healing room and I, you know, drilled holes into your body and pulled the pieces of cancer out and threw them in the garbage. And he looked at me dumbfounded. And that's when I knew that he was going to be okay. I knew I had to change my strategy because of course I would never want to impose anything but love on my husband, but he felt it. What I did in my mind, he was feeling physically. That's incredible. And I knew we were going to be okay. Yeah. I truly love that story. (laughs) I was was actually giggling as I was editing, just going, oh my Lord, the poor man. (laughs) And it's all... Very true. Yes. And that was actually, you know, it's an entire chapter in my book, but how we are taught how to approach anything that's physically wrong with us, wrong in quotation marks with us, right? Whether it's cancer, whether it's chronic illness, whether it's whatever is going on, sickness, disease, we're taught to fight it, to get rid of it, to hate it. And that was my lesson that 
what if you shift gears and think of it as an opportunity to learn and what is your body trying to show you and to love it and to understand it. And I radically changed um, how I treated him and Mindscape from that point on. Yeah. And that change was incredible. Like just that shift in your perception, you can't hate something away. And I learned that from the wonderful mentor, Marcy Locke as well. Like she loves every message that her body gives her, no matter how painful it is. And that's the big difference in this sort of work, as opposed to what we're taught, you know, you rip yourself open and you cut it out and you rip it out. It's just incredible. And so you've obviously had a massive journey from that point, you know, that was just the beginning, but how powerful that is. You ended up traveling overseas, you know, finding the right Western medicine as well. Can you talk us through that? Yes, absolutely. Terry always reminds me, he's such a big advocate of it all works together. You know, if he's standing in the kitchen and eating a carrot and tells the carrot, you're going to cure my cancer, he truly believes it will. And he said, I did everything. I did Eastern medicine. I did Western medicine. I, you know, used every strategy of the power of the mind. And he's, well, he's my hero for so many reasons, just incredible open-mindedness. When we were researching for clinics, I actually knew that my dad taught me that you need to challenge the norm of, of cancer. And our oncologist here in Canada has been very supportive and is now has come so far in what he can offer for treatment. But in the beginning, he could only offer us full dose regimented chemo, which is the path that that most people choose. And I just didn't feel that that was right, because I understood that how can you heal if you're, you know, taking down the immune system. Terry did actually incorporate a lot of low dose chemo with some of his other treatments. But when I was researching, I started started looking into nano knife. I had heard about nano knife and using that technique, he wasn't a candidate because he had 24 tumors. So they were all over the place. And then I researched and found this clinic in Austria, Dr. Cleef. And as soon as I realized it was in the city of Vienna and our daughter's name was Vienna, I stopped researching. I knew that's exactly where we were meant to go. And we actually knew someone who had also been to that clinic. She had stage four breast cancer and she went and and was doing very, very well as well. So it was nice to have that personal experience. But Dr. Cleef, he has the most incredible comprehensive treatment, I believe, probably in the world. I know he works closely with physicians elsewhere, some in the United States, some in Europe. He combines hyperthermia, he combines immunotherapy, Therapy, which in Canada is not yet indicated for pancreatic cancer, fever, and all kinds of other Western medicine things. Terry was actually on the morning after pill for oh, wow. some amount of time because its side effect is to activate your T cells. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I would never have imagined that one. <laughs> yeah, great. I know. It was very interesting. And he said, I'll take it. If Dr. Cleef says it works, then I will take it. So Dr. Cleef is, is very well renowned. We've sent so many people to his clinic and I will continue to do so. He He's state of the art for sure and cares so much about making a difference and being able to treat cancer. Yeah. 
Yep. You could tell that from the words you were writing, just the sort of hospitality you received when you went there. It wasn't just another patient walking in. You were as important as anyone that ever existed in that moment. And I love that too. But I love the variation of treatments that he was offering. It's truly astounding. Yes. The most interesting piece though, that really blew our minds and reminded me, you know, I don't think that power of the mind will necessarily do it all on its own. But what it does do is make everything else work better. So if you're, you know, having a dose of immunotherapy, but doing the work deep in your subconscious, I feel like that just helps the immunotherapy to go 10 times deeper than if you didn't do the work. And the thing that amazed us is in the two months between diagnosis and going to the clinic in Austria, Terry had done one dose of chemo before I convinced him to stop because he was quite against stepping out of the norm, two IV vitamin C's and about 30 body talk sessions. And Dr. Cleef conducted a CT the day we arrived in Austria before we started treatment there. And from those body talk sessions, his main tumor in his pancreas was gone and two tumors in his lymph nodes were gone. They were gone. He was in partial remission before we started any true Western medicine treatment. Yeah, that's what just gave me so just goosebumps all over my entire body reading that, that you actually went, traveled all this way and he was already in partial remission. And that's not to say that exactly what you said, you don't need Western medicine because they all work so beautifully together, but Mm -hmm. it just goes to show how can you possibly be pumping yourself full of chemo or all these other things and then hating on yourself or hating on your body or hating on everything or not eating the right foods that are going to nourish your body while it's doing all this stuff. It's all got to work together. And that really hit home for me. Absolutely. And you know, there are so many people who do full dose chemo and heal incredibly because of the power of their mind as well. So I believe that everyone has their own path. I'm not saying, you know, our treatment plan is 100% recipe for all. But I think that the more that people trust their own intuition and their own instincts and incorporate what they believe to be right, rather than just what they're told to do, it would be a whole different world. And that is true. Terry in Austria as well did a lot of low dose chemo. It was coupled with the immunotherapy and it was part of the regimen and just not full dose so as to wipe out the immune system to the same extent. Yeah, definitely. It's another thing I love is that everyone's path is so different and everyone's path of healing is so different and everyone's path of treatment is so different. But the key is to, like when you start following your intuition and actually really trusting it, it's amazing what synchronicities you know, you start seeing all the signs and you start, it's almost laughable. It's like, ah, yep. Okay. That's where I'm going. It is my instincts, especially even in the last year, probably this has been now three years of a journey, but we've really incorporated, I would say in the last year or added on uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza's books and his meditations into our routine. Terry attended his one week advanced meditation seminar. And ever since we've done that consistently, my instincts are even the silly little things, right? I joke that I was going to the hospital for work and, you know, you walk into the bathroom and I went to go into the middle stall and my brain said, no, don't go there. And I thought, well, that's silly. And I went in anyways, you know, went to the washroom and then there's no toilet paper. Yeah. (laughs) 
the little things, the big things, once you start paying attention and realizing that all the signs are right in front of you, it's it can be very fun and laughable. It can be so much yeah. fun, yeah, as well as super important and empowering. But those mm-hmm. little ones, I think they're the little reminders that, yes, you still need to have joy, but they're the reminders to trust the bigger ones. I agree. And to see, I can't believe how many things since I've been doing meditations and Terry that I see in my kids that are my patterns playing out right in front of me and I will work on shifting them and my whole external environment will completely change. I mean, that's the message that I want to share is that people really, whatever they want to heal from or whatever they want to change in their life, they can do it, but they have to believe that they can. Not even know how in the beginning, right? You could share many stories to that as well. They don't have to know how, but if they just believe in the power that they have over their own lives, what a different world this would be. Oh, for sure. And the how just appears. Like Dr. Joe Dispenza, incredible man, love him so much. But you guys would never have imagined that Terry would have wound up in one of his incredible, like that was pretty full on. Do you want to talk about that? What happened there? It it was very full on. And I I think back to when Terry used to joke when I would say, you know, you should trust your intuition. And he would say, you can't trust your intuition. You have to make smart decisions. Yeah. Logic. (laughs) And Now here here we are. He's the one at an advanced meditation retreat, you know, meditating for four to five hours at a time, multiple times a day. It's on my bucket list to go. Anyone who can go to a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat, it is, I mean, Terry could speak to it better. I I only caught glimpses of what he shared with me, but he was a changed man. And he shared so many stories, not even from a health perspective. He said, actually, he was surprised that most people of the thousand and some that were there were there for business. And they would share stories about how they work a third as much as they used to, yet they're 10 times more productive and profitable than before because they're tuning into their potential, which is one of Dr. Joe's meditations, as you know. He came out, he was chosen to have one of the group healings, which was absolutely an incredible experience. Everyone meditating over him to shift his energy and having that collective love for life and positivity and desire for growth. You put that many people in a room, there's really no words to describe what I'm sure it felt like for him. Yeah, I bet. Everyone's talking now about the power of global meditations and people coming together. So that many just focusing on one person, I can't even imagine what that would feel like. Yes, it was broken into groups. There were many who received the healing. So I can't recall exactly somewhere around 12 or 15 were focused on him. But nonetheless, it was an incredible experience, he said. And now we both, you know, meditation, thanks to Dr. Joe, honestly, is now a daily part of our lives. And he recently introduced a kid's meditation. So I meditate with my kids a few times a week and seeing the ideas that come out of them and their dreams for their future and how they want to navigate their own life. I just tell them, my goodness, I cannot even imagine the things you will accomplish and the people you would be. I wish I knew what I'm teaching you, but it wasn't, it was meant for me to learn it now. But I think meditation should be a part of every education. 
oh, and every same. school system for all kids. We would change the world. Yeah, totally agree. And back when we were at school, it wasn't even heard of. It was something that the hippies did. That was the stereotype that I was certainly under the impression of growing up. And now it's just so common. And exactly what you said, I know so many entrepreneurs that might spend three hours a day meditating and that helps their business grow. And everyone else says, no, I don't have time. Don't have time to meditate. Mm-hmm. It's a change of habit, right? And that's the ego again, trying to protect you from shaking things up. But I would have been the same even two years ago, even into this journey, right? I would listen to the body talk session. I became a certified body talk practitioner and am actively giving sessions. And I, you know, I'm in love with that system and what it can do for you. It's so incredibly specific and well created. But I used to say, I don't, I don't have an hour a day to meditate. There, there's no way I have little kids. I have this. Well, now you, you make it a part of your routine. And all of a sudden there, you find that you have more than enough time in the day to accomplish everything and more. Yeah. And you feel better within yourself for actually giving yourself the time that you need. It's part of self-love for me. Oh, 100%. It was a big shift for me. I used to really enjoy or felt like I needed a nap, like a short 20 minute, 30 minute nap in the day after work. And now I just need that time to carve out a meditation. It's not I don't want to sleep. I don't want to escape and have rest. I want to feel reinvigorated and and see what's next for wherever our journey takes us. Yeah, definitely. And I find the more I do that, particularly with my writing now, and I love cacao, so I'll go into a cacao ceremony even just for myself. And the writing that comes out of that, and I'm not talking creative writing here, I'm talking with my journaling. The answers that come out in my journaling now that I carve out time for that is like a roadmap for me. It's really powerful. Through all of this, I'm sure you would agree, the things that you're writing and journaling, we're all overcoming limiting belief systems, right? And I find that the more that I meditate, the more body talk sessions I have, all of a sudden I will have awarenesses about how a pattern has played out in my life due to this exact moment in my childhood. And something that if I, you know, shared with a friend, they would say, well, yeah, that seems so simple. But when you're not ready for the information, it doesn't show up for you. And then when it does and you shift it, you just think, There's a senior body talk practitioner and instructor, Sylvia, who explains it in her words, your soul is like a light bulb and it's all covered in paint. And the more work you do, the more you're chipping off those pieces of paint and the layer of trauma and belief systems and this and that to really let your light shine. So that's become my sort of mantra in my mind is to do the work to let your light shine. That's beautiful. Totally love that because so many people think that, okay, I've been to a weekend retreat. I should be fixed. Everything should just be better now, but it's a lifetime, isn't it, of chipping away? Well, whenever I have a body talk client start with me on the journey, well, how many sessions do I need? And I kind of throw out the joke, well, you know, there's no, I'm not going to tell you, you need this many sessions. You know, we can work out a plan together. You need to trust your instincts, but you don't go to the gym once and come home with a six pack. (laughs) And unfortunately, the older we get as adults, there's, you know, it's the, the giant onion, you're peeling back layer after layer after layer after layer after layer. 
It's not always as quick of a fix. And that's a big message that I tried to share in the book as well. You know, for some people, they may be ready. They may be ready for some big thing to transform instantaneously. For others, it's work, but it's not a competition. And isn't that sort of one of the cardinal rules of life, not to compare yourself to others, to just be on your path and be on your journey and do the best you can. Most definitely. And you'll find too that as with you guys, it's when you trust those nudges and those little signs, however amusing they might be, different things show up at exactly the right time. So it will be meditation, you know, for a certain period. And then you might discover a whole different type of meditation that you didn't even know existed. And then that's life-changing for a while. And then you'll discover something else. And then you'll discover something else. And that's how I've found it with my journey. There's always beautiful new things popping up at exactly the right time. And it's fun. It becomes fun as much as you're doing that work. And sometimes it's frustrating. It's like, oh, I thought I fixed that. <laughs> I know. That's exactly what I was going to say is as long as you have the mentality of the learning and growing is a positive thing, because of course, it's not all roses peeling back childhood trauma, but it's so worth it. And if you approach it, like, I'm like, yes, I got rid of that. Oh, you know, one more, one more layer of paint gone. Woohoo! It's a celebration yeah. for sure. But it makes perfect sense to me that we had to go through this journey because Terry has always said life is about helping others. That's how we've always been. That's been our dream is to help others to share hope. You know, he carved out a way, a very big way for us to do that. I even look within Canada, we've been in touch with the Pancreatic Cancer Society of Canada and our oncologists now here in Canada, because of the success we had in Austria with immunotherapy, it's not covered, but he's able to prescribe it for Terry here in Canada and calls him, you know, the pancreatic poster boy. It was really funny to hear him call Terry that because I called Terry that probably about 18 months ago saying, of course you are, you're going to change the face of pancreatic cancer, which is known to be one of the deadliest cancers. And we are going to be able to inspire so many people that it does not have to take them down. Yeah, exactly. And even what you were saying about how he wasn't even in pain, like there's so many incredible parts of Terry's story that I just wasn't even aware of, but combining it all, like I'm not surprised he's the poster boy and not just in Canada, like your story, you know, your family's story is having a profound effect right around the world. Yes, I was only speaking, you know, to Canada that that's our, our starting point for changing treatment and we'd love for it to roll out. But there's no coincidences, right? I've said for years and years that it, it was the second thing on my bucket list was to write a book. And I joked that I would write a book about my dating experiences when I lived in Spain for a couple of years. So maybe, <laughs> maybe oh, that that's the next one, one down the road. <laughs> yeah, that was quite something. But then here was this story and I, I knew I had to. And, you know, it's taking time to get the word out. And I know that it will be on the path that it's destined to be. But my goodness, if that book can bring a million or two million or three million people hope just to touch lives and understand that it's not a death sentence when you sit in that office and you get that horrible news being told you have, you know, that's all people hear is stage four. And it's like you, sh you want to shut down. 
because well, yeah you were given the statistics weren't you and it's like I oh, know yeah do no. not put that in my head please no don't read statistics is my number one piece of advice because if you do it's that much harder to not listen to them or not let them haunt your mind yeah, for sure. I so feel you on that one. I don't even watch the news anymore because it just fills my head with stuff that does not need to be there. Absolutely. We don't watch the news at all either. My son, one of his teachers said for a project, can you watch the news? And this was in grade four or three or two, I can't remember. Um, watch the news and write a report of everything going on. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have to scan out and <laughs> find some of the positive tidbits out there because, you know, I get it. Everyone, we're programmed as humans, unfortunately, to be attracted to the negative news. So everyone's doing the job that they can to share what they can. And so sharing something like my book or what you're doing and all the work we're doing, bringing that level of positivity, sometimes, you know, you just plant a seed. I remember that if, if people aren't willing to hear, they're just not there yet. And there was points in our lives where we weren't ready to hear either. But if I plant a seed that 10 years from now, if someone remembers, oh, what was that that Christiane was talking about? And now we're facing this, maybe I should think about that, then we've done our job. Yeah, for sure. Do you have a favorite part of your, you know, or did it all just merge beautifully together of the whole healing journey? Was it the mindscape? Was it the Joe Dispenza meditations? Like what was your favorite piece of that little puzzle? Oh my goodness. I think... The Joe Dispenza meditations, actually, it, it's hard for me because I wasn't in that experience in the workshop, but his meditations are, they're such a big part of my life now. But in the actual journey of when I wrote the book, which would have finished, it was only about six months of the three-year journey. I don't really have a favorite piece per se, because I do like to incorporate what Terry says, that it all works together and we'll never be able to say, hey, Mindscape did, you know, it was clear in the beginning what removed the first tumor, but as for the rest, we'll never know, nor do I need to know, really. It all worked together and probably my favorite part of the whole healing process is how myself and my children have healed along with him and our whole family dynamic, our marriage, our outlook of life, our goals, everything has completely grown and changed. So I guess that sort of answers the question. Digging deep into the mind is definitely my favorite, but I don't discount any of the other treatments for sure. How beautiful that this one seemingly traumatic life-changing event has changed your family's life in such a positive way. It has. And I often say that it saved me as well. We, in a short span of years before Terry was diagnosed, I lost my mother at 59 years old and I found her passed away in her apartment, which was incredibly traumatic, as you can imagine. And only a couple years later, we were asked to relocate cities for my husband's job. And we had young kids and that felt traumatic. You know, someone said to me, the top five things that are the most traumatic you can deal with are death, divorce, illness, relocation, and quitting your career. And we had four of them in a year. Wow. Yet I never sat in bed and, and cried and 
you know, felt sorry for myself. We were on a mission to figure things out and to grow and change. So the mind work saved me as much as it saved Terry, I think, and hopefully taught our children about the beauty in being resilient and looking at things through a different lens. Because even though we cried the day he was diagnosed, I can honestly say that I never shed a tear again afterwards thinking he was going to pass away until this last little stint he had here, because I truly believed he was going to be fine. Wow, that's incredible. And I guess I need to ask, how is he now? Well, it's very interesting. As the book was being published, you know, the story kind of went until the end of 2019. And the beginning of 2020, he really went quite downhill, quite downhill, lost 35 pounds in a month. Wow. We were, he, he had the CT showed that the cancer was starting to come back. So his adrenal gland and kidney were swollen, which was causing a lot of nausea, which caused all the weight loss. And he went into the hospital finally. In between there, we actually finally got a dose of immunotherapy here in Canada. It was one thing after another. His kidney was very swollen, so they had to put a stent in. And so he was in hospital off and on for about a month. But when they put the stent in, they nicked arteries and he just about bled out. Oh, my Lord. So he had to have three surgeries within a number of days. And they actually said, listen, the kidney has been bleeding for so long now that if it doesn't, the little vessels along the bottom don't start to heal on their own, we're going to have to remove a kidney. And I thought, what the heck? Meanwhile, they're telling us from a cancer perspective, he's back to being a survivor. Like he has two little tiny spots left in the liver, which have been there throughout this entire duration. And we've always, always known in our hearts that he will never be cancer free on a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, Why I know that I don't know, but it doesn't matter. I don't need the piece of paper. I just and he doesn't need it either. He needs to just be a survivor. Survivor is the word to us not being cancer free. He may never be 100% cancer free, but if he has a couple tiny tumors versus 24, well, then there you go. So he's out of the hospital. Honestly, 90% of what happened with his downfall there had nothing to do with his cancer. It was just one very unfortunate thing after another, but he is back to great. He's put weight on. He's working on being healthy. He's good. He's very good. He will be a survivor for a very long time. And that just proved it all over again. But you know, when it comes to doing work, as you know, when things present themselves, and I explained this to him in a very, it was difficult to explain, but a loving and kind way. As I said, as you would agree, Sally, I'm sure the more attached we are to wanting something, the less likely that it is we are going to get it. Yeah, you push it away. You push it away. So I actually explained to him that it was the hardest month of my life and the first time that I actually felt true fear of losing him. And I had to work through that deep pain and suffering to understand that if for some reason he wasn't okay, I would still be okay. And I would be able to raise our children and love him in whatever way that I could. And I believe that me 
working through that desperation for him to be okay versus just having a deep love and wanting my husband around, which sounds similar, but is very different, changed everything. Yeah, because one has fear attached and one doesn't. Exactly. And it's really interesting to me, which would be a whole entire new podcast, but (laughs) 2020 has been a year for bringing up fear on a global level. So it's no surprise to me that the fear took a hold of you in that moment as well. Obviously, cancer is really traumatic. Regardless, it's not surprising to me that this year in particular, you had to work through that fear. Yes. And I'm glad, I'm so glad that I did. And even through getting rid of those deep layers of fear, the love that I have for him and how much stronger our marriage is now, it's just, it's absolutely incredible to me. But how many people wouldn't, you know, I'm not asking for a pat on the back. I'm just challenging people to do the work, even though it wasn't easy. It's easier to look away sometimes, but the growth that comes out the other side is so worth it. I mean, we're having this lovely conversation, but when you really put it in perspective, it it wasn't just cancer he faced. It was stage for pancreatic, like 24 tumors, you know, have a nice few months and enjoy your children. Exactly. 24 tumors. Most people would be saying, okay, a couple of months. Yes. Enjoy it while you can. Yes. Yet here he is. Absolutely incredible. There is a video of him. I'm actually going to do an entire YouTube series, maybe interviewing him from his perspective. But on my website, there is a video of him. And if people just see his face and think, is this really the man that we're speaking of? I think they would be blown away just to have that true story. And sometimes I I talk about the power of the mind in the book. And I say it's hard for people because tumors are on the inside and you can't see them. And then I joke and I tell the story about I had, which you remember reading this probably, I had a giant mole right here on my cheek. It worried me. It changed shape when I was pregnant with my daughter. So of course you think it's cancerous. And I did a lot of body talk on it. I meditated over it and it flaked and fell off. Wow. That story to some people, I love showing that because you can physically see there's no mole there on my cheek, (laughs) but I never went to a doctor to have it removed. Yeah, that's incredible. I think what I love most about all of this is just the way that it's changed your life as much as Terry's, but also your children's. It's just really touching your story. And the more people that either hear it or read it in your book or get to experience even a part of your journey, yeah, it's just going to be so life-changing. So thank you so much for coming on today and sharing. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I welcome, we take a lot of phone calls. I welcome anyone to reach out that would like to hear our story, that would like to know the path we went on. We really are here to share hope across the world. That is our goal. Oh, perfect. So how can anyone that wants to get in touch with you and find out more? My website is www.christianemaw.com. And on there, you'll find the availability to purchase the book, The Day the Cancer 
answer quit or contact me through the website and we can connect that way and go from there. Wonderful. And I will also have a link to that in the show notes, but I might even do that in the social media posts as well. Have a link to your website as well. Please do. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been great connecting and I think we could have a few more podcasts and speak about many interesting layers of things. (laughs) Uh, I think we should. I feel a calling to have you back on at some stage in the next couple of months. So yeah, keep that in mind. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd be ever so grateful if you'd share it around with friends and subscribe so you get every episode hot off the press.